That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. is the Tom Hartman Program. Newsday. It is today. We've got so much to talk about that we will be getting to. I want to start out by asking, why is it everything the Republican Party touches has something to do with death and dying? We'll get into that in just a moment. Also, why the EU may approve Ukraine's membership, if not today, soon. There's actually a story behind the story here that I think you'll find fascinating. CPAC. It proves that America needs a history lesson. I'll give you some of the background of NATO and, and also <laughs> what happened at CPAC. And in Texas, transgendered kids being terrorized by the governor. And also Dr. Justin Frank, the professor of psychiatry at George Washington University, is going to drop in to answer the question, has Putin lost his mind or is, is this just how oligarchs typically become after 20 years of essentially absolute power? By the way, a quick reminder, a bookstore event, The Hidden History of Big Brother in America, my new book, How the Death of Privacy and the Rise of Surveillance Threaten Us and Our Democracy. I will be doing a book signing virtually. Basically, it's going to be about an hour-long presentation of the book. So you don't even have to buy it and read it. You can just watch it on Zoom. It'll be uh, Tuesday, March 8th, next week, next Tuesday, at Powell's.com. You can go over there and register for it, or there's a link on our Facebook page. So, so much to get to, and I, I want to start with this question of why does the Republican Party constantly embrace poverty, disease, and death? Marco Rubio just came out and said he can't come to the State of the Union because it requires a COVID test, and he's too busy to take a COVID test. Right. Um, Noel Kassler, the, the comedian, the guy who outed Trump's drug abuse and diaper wearing, um, he asked, how come everything the Republican Party stands for involves other people dying? And he talked about assault weapons and opposition to masks and vaccines and opposition to saving the environment. And, of course, they're all out war on Obamacare and Medicare for all. He might have been being glib, but I, I did a deep dive yesterday. And I, I think that this also wraps around the, the Republican Party's support, at least over the last six years, for uh, President Putin of Russia as well. Um, here, are the, here are the items where red states lead blue states. 
These are the, 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 you find more of this stuff in higher rates of this stuff in red states than in blue states. Spousal abuse, obesity, smoking, teen pregnancy, sexually transmitted diseases, abortion, bankruptcies and poverty, homicide and suicide, infant mortality, maternal mortality, forcible rape, robbery and aggravated assault, dropouts from high school, divorce, contaminated air and water, unskilled workers, opiate addiction and deaths, income and wealth inequality, parasitic infections, COVID deaths and unvaccinated people, federal subsidies to the states, AKA red state welfare, people on welfare, child poverty, homelessness, spousal murder, unemployment, deaths from auto accidents, and people living on disability. Now, what is it about the Republican Party that causes them to, you know, unabashedly and unashamedly up until the last arguably 24 hours to support uh, President Putin and also uh, to to uh, not just tolerate all of these ills that I just laid out for you, but celebrate them. What is it? Uh, you know, what is it in the party? Well, it turns out it's a couple of things. Number one, it's the Republican Party's embrace of racism. For example, there was just a bill before Congress. It looks like it's, it's it, it passed both the House and Senate. And it'll become law. Um, to it's called the anti uh, the Emmett Till anti lynching bill. Republican Andrew Clyde of Georgia voted against it. Republican Thomas Massey, the guy who famously you know, tweeted out a picture of him and his wife and his kids with assault weapons for Christmas, uh, he, the Republican from Kentucky, he voted against it. Chip Roy, another whack job from, from Texas, a Republican member of the House, voted against the anti-lynching bill. Do you get this? This began in 1964 with Barry Goldwater saying that he would not sign on with the, with the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It went on steroids with, with uh, Nixon's Southern strategy four years later in 1968. Uh, Reagan used it in his, the first speech of his campaign, of his, of his official campaign for president in uh, Philadelphia, Mississippi, where three civil rights workers were murdered, talking about states' rights. George Herbert Walker Bush doubled down on it with the Willie Horton ads. Donald Trump put it right up front, saying Mexicans are rapists and, and murderers and all this kind of stuff. So you've got that, number one, racism. Number two, prior to the 1980s, the white evangelical movement was pro-choice. So was Ronald Reagan, who signed the most liberal abortion bill in the nation as governor of California, and George Herbert Walker Bush and his wife Barbara, who were big supporters of Planned Parenthood. But the religious right was really, they really had their panties in a wad. They were really upset because the Supreme Court had banned preacher-led prayer in schools. Back in the 50s, ministers used to actually come into schools and lead the prayer. And in the 1970s, Jimmy Carter pulled the tax exemption of a bunch of privately run schools run by right-wing churches because they were explicitly racially segregated. So Jerry Falwell comes out with his moral majority. He started that in 78. And Paul Weyrich, who joined the Reagan campaign in 1980, the co-founder of the Heritage Foundation and the guy who said, I don't want everybody to vote. These guys got together with the Reagan campaign and said, you know, being pissed off about losing our tax exempt status is not going to get us votes. But abortion, we can turn this into an issue that will cut across race, class, everything politics and will win votes for Republicans. So let's become anti-abortion. So the evangelical right movement, 
became anti-abortion. Reagan and Bush became anti-abortion. The GOP made this an issue. And, you know, this was the first major merger in the, um, in the history of the United States between a political party and a religious movement, in this case, Jerry Falwell's. Republicans started talking about God. The word had only appeared twice in their party platform going all the way back to 1856. Uh, they adopted Falwell's call for a return to school prayer, hostility to sex education, rejecting women's rights, asserting patriarchy, and their open hatred of homosexuality. They were championing, now this is 1980, what today we call the culture wars. And then they went even farther down the, down the rabbit hole. Now that they're a religious party, well, religion requires that you reject science. And so the Republican Party started rejecting science. In 2000, Mike Pence wrote an op-ed in Indiana saying, quote, despite the hysteria from the political class and the media, smoking doesn't kill. They started questioning evolution. The theory of evolution is now a question for the Republican Party. They were scoffing about the pollution, the cancers caused by pollution, air pollution, and other diseases. Rush Limbaugh and George H.W. Bush talked about pointy-headed liberals in ivy towers in universities in America, openly trashing higher education to bring in blue-collar, uneducated voters. This was followed by a sustained attack by Republicans on public education itself, pushing for privatized charter schools. So all that happened. And then the other big turning point in the 1980s when Reagan openly embraced America's oligarchs. Jimmy Carter had walked from the Capitol to the White House after his inauguration by way of saying he's with the average person. Ronald Reagan went back to the limousine and his first inaugural ball was, it took a lot of money to participate in that thing. And the Republican Party has been there ever since, basically saying, hey, the TV preachers are now multimillionaires, we helped make them that. The billionaires have become, you know, when Reagan was elected, there wasn't a single billionaire in America because we had a top 74% tax rate. Now we're infested with them. So Noel Kassler was right, but there's a little more detail to this story. And now we're seeing why the Republican Party might be supporting Putin, or at least up until it just became politically toxic to do so in the last 48 hours, why they have been supporting Putin all along and still are. I got to tell you what the writing published on the other side of this break. It is breathtaking. Stick around. I got to tell you about also the why the EU may approve Ukraine's membership today. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman program. You can find that rant and all the details and links to every single one of those data points over at HartmanReport.com today, by the way. Okay, a whole bunch of stuff here that I wanted to share with you that I think is uh, frankly quite consequential right now. The EU has approved Ukraine's application for membership. They have not said, yes, you're a member. They have said, yes, we will consider your application. Now, what does this mean? The EU is not a military force. That's NATO. So it doesn't mean that somebody's going to start bombing that, that Russian 40-mile-long Russian uh, uh, convoy coming for Kiev. Although somebody should, in my opinion, but it doesn't mean that. What it does mean is that because of the, the, the Schengen Agreement, because, because in the European Union, if you have a passport from a member nation, 
you can travel anywhere in the EU. You can pass through any border. You don't even have to, you know, typically once you get in the European Union, you don't even have to show your passport as you're crossing country borders any longer. So the challenge, of course, is getting into the country or getting out of the refugee camps or whatever. So if Ukraine is admitted to the European Union, that means these Ukrainian refugees, where we're seeing them standing in line for, in some cases, a day or two, freezing their butts off, waiting to try to get into the European Union or get into Poland or get into Moldova or other EU countries. As these, as these refugees, if, if, if their passport, they, you know, they have Ukrainian passports. If their passports are recognized, if, the, if Ukraine is recognized as a full member of the European Union, then the refugee crisis becomes a whole hell of a lot more manageable. That's the big deal that we need to you know, point out. Also, there was the uh, U U United Nations Human Rights Council had a meeting this morning, and uh, Sergei Lavrov, the uh, Russian foreign minister, who's a, 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 a you know, big, imposing guy, I have met him, uh, he's, he's very, very articulate. And he was going to give a speech, well, he gave a speech. And uh, as he started his speech, all across the room, everybody got up and basically walked out. It was just a, a breathtaking moment. Chris Murphy, Senator Chris Murphy, was tweeting yesterday afternoon uh, that, quote, just left a classified briefing on the Ukraine crisis. A few takeaways that I can share. One, confirmation that the Russians have fallen behind their timeline. Ukraine resistance has been fierce, and there have been multiple Russian equipment and logistic failures. Two, the Department of Defense and the Department of Homeland Security are pressing hard for Congress to end the continuing resolution and get a budget passed. This is, you know, basically what he's talking about is the re Republican efforts to obstruct the Biden administration from having a budget for this year. This year, 2022, as a fiscal year for our federal government, began last October. The federal government's fiscal year runs from, you know, uh, the end of September to the beginning of, or the beginning of October to the end of September. And uh, Republicans have been blocking it. And so the, both the Department of Defense and the Department of Homeland Security are saying Republicans quit playing games. Uh, the quote, there, are no, there is no way our national security agencies can be nimble enough to support Ukraine if they're operating on the 2020-2021 budget. Number three, Russia will try to encircle and cut off Kiev, Kiev in the next several weeks. The fight for Kiev will be long and bloody, and Ukrainians are rapidly preparing for street-to-street -street combat. And number four, U.S. and allies are coordinating to not only freeze the assets of Putin and his oligarchs, but, and this is amazing, but to seize those assets as well. This is likely a further step than Putin's inner circle anticipated. That is a BFD. Meanwhile, Pat Robertson has come out of his hole to say, quote, God is getting ready to do something amazing and that will be fulfilled. He's talking about Putin taking Kiev. He said, is, is Putin crazy? Is he mad? Well, perhaps, but God says, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws and I'm going to draw you into this battle whether you like it or not. You read your Bible because it's coming to pass. In other words, Putin is going to trigger the end times, the nuclear war that ends all life on Earth. And Pat Robertson is like so excited about this. Meanwhile, over at thewriting.com, here are the headlines from right-wing publications today. American Thinker, send Trump to Moscow to make peace deal with Putin. Um, DonaldJTrump.com, the world would have no problems whatsoever 
with Trump's energy policies. The Federalist, the right loves Putin and other media lies. World Net Daily, Putin hopes to expose Biden's crime wave in Ukraine. Human events, Ukraine conflict fueled by false green promises. Washington Times, environmental jihadists spark invasion of Ukraine. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Are you getting this? Uh, the Washington Examiner, Europe needs more American oil and gas, not windmills and rainbows. Amazing. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Boy, a lot going on in the world here. And as I said, we're going to dig a whole lot deeper into a whole bunch of these topics. And one of the world's top psychiatrists, Dr. Justin Frank, professor of psychiatry at George Washington University, about the mental health of Putin. He'll be with us. But right now, let's pick up some phone calls here. Steve in St. Genevieve, Missouri. Hey, Steve, what's up? Hey, Tom. Um, I'm doing okay. You know, I, you know, when this whole war started, I feel really sorry for both sides, but as an American, just a single individual, what can I do, you know, other than root for the team? So I started trying to get information into Russia. Mm-hmm. Now, all the all the other channels, you know, that we would normally get from international, like YouTube going into Russia, that's all been blocked. Yeah. Now, I, I found a loophole. Well, all the McDonald's that are in Moscow, and there's a lot of them, mm. uh, about 75 of them. Yeah, I've been they there. Have I've seen them. <laughs> they have chat rooms. They have chat. Well, they have chat rooms. Oh, really? Normally, yeah, and they're still up and running full. Wow. Uh, they're not. And so far, uh, every day, I've been putting um, YouTube, uh, Free Speech TV on there, and our nightly news. 
and normally there's like two or three chats in there maybe a day but it's uh, always about food or whatever sure well i guess people periodically look in there anyway i go in there the next the next morning and check out to see whether or not anybody commented on it and the video went viral and some people are saying is this true is this fake wow. you know um, and you're doing and, this all in english some, or do you read and write cyrillic russian <laughs> Yet I translate. I use uh, Google Translator, but uh, um, the majority so you're of them you're posting in Russian. Well, I'm also doing it in English as well because uh -huh. a lot of Russians over there speak English, oh, yeah. especially the young ones. Yep. And they have no clue, you know, what's really going on. Now their Russian state TV is all they see. What the Americans are all about is our right wing and. Trump right. praising Putin, so they think that they don't have a chance with the United States helping them because on their TV it looks like we're for Putin. Yeah, and I said, well, you need to start watching our our you know our TV here. So right. I've been posting those every day, and so far the Russians haven't knocked it off yet. That's amazing. That's amazing, Steve, <laughs> an internet warrior. Steve, thanks a lot for the call and for the heads up. <laughs> uh -huh. I, I appreciate it. Nicholas in San Cristobal, Mexico. Hey, Nicholas, how's Mexico doing? Oh, my God. Well, Mexicans are pretty <laughs> much as confused and concerned about all that's going on with Putin in Ukraine as probably everybody anywhere else. Listen, I'm very confused and need your help because you know everything. And if you don't, I'm going to be very disappointed, but I'm sure you're going to. Somebody online was talking about something to do with the EU and EU members going to the assistance of other EU countries. It has to do with something about the, either the Lisbon Protocol or the Lisbon Agreement. What is that all about? Do you know? And, and the greater question is, let's just say there is a fast track for EU membership for Ukraine today. Let's just say there is. What in the world is Putin's reaction going to be? And what are the then obligations of the other EU states to the new member, Ukraine? Right. I am not an expert on these topics, Nicholas, but I am fairly well informed and I'll share my opinion with you. Just, know you know, you just throw the throw this caveat out. Fact check everything well, I have I'm to say here because <laughs> this is just I'm running off memory. My recollection is that the Lisbon Protocol said that several of the former Soviet states that when the start agreement was uh, agreed to by the Soviet Union, that those right. now independent countries that still had nuclear weapons we're right. still bound by the START agreement. So I don't see where that applies at all to what's going on right I now, think, unless nuclear an weapons come in. That takes, I think there's an addendum in it that takes it a few steps further. However, um, maybe the greater question, yeah. And, I, and I with regard to EU membership, uh, again, I don't think that, I, I may be wrong, and I, if somebody knows, please correct me, but I don't believe that that has a military component to it. I think that's NATO. I think the big benefit of giving, so giving Ukraine EU membership is that their citizens will be able to pass into Europe, not as refugees, but as fellow Europeans. But does it also mean they will be able to provide armaments to Ukraine more easily? I believe not, but I don't know. I, but right now, they're already doing that. You know, Sweden, Norway just sent hundreds of anti-tank missiles to Ukraine. So they're already doing that. I think EU membership will enhance or diminish the ability of individual European nations to support Ukraine outside of direct conflict. Mark in Rosendale, New York. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today? So, you know, you kind of 
brought up the issue with uh, your rant, but I think we really have to look at the way the Christian dominionists have taken over the Republican Party. I think that's where a lot of their cruelty comes from. I also think that's why they're supporting Putin. I think that you know, this idea that the end times are coming is something there's a worldwide movement pushing for that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, there, there's there's celebrating. I mean, Pat Robertson, I only, I only read a little bit right. of his speech, but he just goes on and on and on about, you know, this this is what God wants. And, and you know, I, you have to I, I, plain armchair psychotherapist here. Um, uh, you have to wonder how much Pat Robertson's worldview about the end times is influenced by the fact that he's he's very old and getting increasingly feeble and is looking at his own death. And so, well, I, you know, there's this psychological tendency to prote- project yourself onto the world. I think there's absolutely some of that, but I think it goes a lot deeper. And I think that even QAnon is sort of a cover for Dominionist uh, philosophy. Right. And the Dominionist philosophy, meaning that, you know, not only are humans uh, basically the only sentient beings on Earth and not only humans are, are, you know, must subdue the Earth and control the Earth and everything on it, but Christian humans are the ones who are actually the most in charge. Is that a reasonable summary of Dominionism in your world? Yeah, well, that and, and that the purpose on earth is to bring about worldwide theocracy in the end times right right yeah yeah it's it's definitely part of their agenda it it absolutely definitely is thank you very much mark spot on this is uh such an extraordinary you know moment it really and truly is I, i wanted to share just a little bit of history with you that is i think cpac indicates the need for this you know, I, I've done this show from CPAC at least probably 10 or 15 years. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how many years I've done it at CPAC, but uh, it was one of my favorite things because I'd go and argue with, you know, Republicans and conservatives and made good radio and it, it was interesting, it was entertaining. Occasionally I'd really, you know, get a zinger in. But there's a new generation coming up right now. And, and this is why I'm, I'm mentioning CPAC. When we used to go there, there it was always filled with young people. It, it, Louise and I were always just, wow, look at this. I mean, most of the people here are in their 20s, some are in their 30s. Why is that? Well, it turned out that you know, right-wing billionaires were literally giving grants to young people to fly in for CPAC to be indoctrinated as the next shock troops for the Republican Party. And you know, it's still going on. So a CBSU Gov poll found that 61% of 18 to 29-year-olds, basically people under 30, thought the United States should stay out of the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. 61% of people under 30 said stay out. Whereas an identical 61% of people over, of senior citizens, people over, over 60 say we should actively support Ukraine. But what's the difference? The difference is that a 39-year-old was born in 1983. They don't, you know, they don't remember the Soviet Union when they were they were eight, nine years old when the Soviet Union fell. A 29-year-old was born in 1993. We've got people voting now who were not literally were not born when 9/11 happened. So 
some background here. We joined NATO in 1949 after Czechoslovakia was attacked by the communists and the Soviets blockaded Berlin. It was the Berlin airlift, the Truman administration. They, they had an 11-month airlift into Berlin to bring food and supplies. And then the Marshall Plan that economically stabilized Europe and NATO. Those three things happened in 1949 as a result of the Soviet Union attacking Czechoslovakia. And after the Berlin Wall fell, you know, we were welcoming former members of the Warsaw Pact. You know, Donald Trump in 2017 said NATO is obsolete. And sadly, you know, a majority of people under 30 appear to think so. We really need to, to fill them in on what, what history is and why. I'll, I'll give you a little more from uh, CPAC itself and then pick up your phone calls on the other side of this break. Also, uh, trans kids. Sandra in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, Sandra, what's on your mind today? Well, I noticed over the weekend that there was a report that a Turkish-controlled bulk carrier ship, which basically transports large goods, was shelled by the Russian military as it was making its way to Odessa. Since Turkey is a NATO member, how does that impact or change what NATO can or should do? I don't know, Sandra. I'm not, I did, I, somehow I missed that story, so I, I, I just don't know. The Japanese have said they've also had a ship attacked. So By the Russians? It's not like it was, In what, oops, the Black Sea? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. the Mediterranean? Yeah, so it's not a, oops, our bad, you know. Yeah. It seems like they're randomly firing on ships that are moving about in their normal daily business. I'm sorry, I can't confirm that. Yeah. But I... just look up the ship is called Yasa Jupiter. Yeah. Y A S A Jupiter hit okay. over the weekends. I'll look it up, Sandra, and I'll I'll, I'll share my thoughts with you. I'll, I'll get to it at the bottom of the hour. Thank you sure, very much for the heads fine. up. I appreciate it. Amir in Los Angeles. Hey, Amir, what's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. Gore Vidal called the United States, United States of Amnesia. I'm so glad that, you yes. know, you bring up, you know, some of the things from the past, you know, regarding Bush administration, you know, with the rigging of the election and so forth. But there's also more to it. When Soviet Union broke down, I remember there was talks that they wanted to join the NATO. And we said, okay, well, we're not going to let you join NATO because NATO is for Western European countries. So Russia mentioned this is a meeting with Gorbachev and Clinton. And then Gorbachev then said, you know, so you're not going to expand into the Soviet satellites, which was in Poland. Hungary. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't Clinton. It was George Herbert Walker Bush. It was 1991. And there was quite a, quite a discussion about allowing Russia into right. NATO. Ultimately, it didn't work out. But it was, it was George Herbert Walker Bush who, who gave Gorbachev the handshake deal that we wouldn't expand NATO, or that NATO wouldn't expand NATO, yeah. NATO would not expand, yes. And then, so now what we did is that, you know, we little by little, we expanded into the Soviet sphere. Right. And one of the things is that, you know, we talk about, I mean, I, I'm appalled by the way that the media, whether it's CNN or whether it's Fox, you know, how they portray things and how they rally people and, you know, how the, what I see, you know, my fellow Americans, you know, are reacting to this is that you're saying that they're killing children and this and that. Should Russia threaten us with nukes when we went into Iraq and when we killed children? 
When we went into Grenada, when it was still Soviet Union. I get it, Amir. Yeah. This is the big problem that so, we have right now, is that we've had so you know, right Republican presidents everybody largely everybody in the past, who, although LBJ lied us into Vietnam, too. I mean, you know, it's like right. our, our nose is not clean. I get that. But right. this is no, now. No, I'm, I'm a peaceful. I'm a peaceful guy. I just don't, you know. I just don't want us to go, to be dragged into another war. I get I mean, it. I get it. I absolutely get it. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back. I'll pick up your calls in just a second here, but I just wanted to bring you up to date on a, a whole bunch of things. Number one, I have confirmed, you know, a caller uh, a few minutes ago called in and said uh, there was a Turkish cargo ship and uh, apparently a Japanese cargo ship that were both hit by uh, what appears to be Russian fire in the Black Sea as, uh, you know, approaching Ukraine. And yeah, we found the reports on both of them. In the case of the Turkish ship being hit, President Erdogan of Turkey has issued a stern warning. But NATO is not going to view these things as an attack on a NATO country. This is not going to start a war. It's going to take a hell of a lot more than that. These, these people are going to be, you know, very uh, cautious, deliberate, I guess would be the word. You know, they're going to take this step by step, number one. Number two, over the weekend, British Petroleum said that they were going to dump their 20% share in Rosneft, which is the giant Russian-owned state oil company and natural gas company and whatnot. That was BP on Saturday, as I recall. Today, Shell, the Dutch-based company, announced that they're doing the same thing. They have equity in Rosneft, and they're also, they also have a business relationship with Rosneft. They're abandoning that. So Russia is becoming increasingly isolated in the world stage. What would reverse that isolation? My guess would be President Putin stepping down and Russia holding elections that were uh, run in part by an international consortium of countries. You know, the, the, the uh, 2000 election, when Putin was elected and put into power, I think it was 2000, I'd have to go back and look, but that, that was my recollection, was that he first came to power in 2000. 
was actually overseen, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm pretty sure this was overseen by international monitors. You know, again, my point that this is how democracies fail, is autocrats gain power through elections, typically running on things like white nationalism, fear of gay people, fear of uh, racial minorities, fear of, of immigrants, and then use that, that certainly that's, you know, Orban, his whole climb to power was around refugees coming into the south of, of Hungary. He promised to build a wall. And in fact, build the wall was one of his chants and one of his slogans, and he did. He actually built a wall along the south of Hungary to keep out Syrian refugees. So anyhow, just FYI, we'll, we'll see how this all shakes out. I did tell you I was gonna bring you up today on what happened at CPAC this weekend. Aaron Rupar has a, a newsletter AaronRupar.substack.com, and he does a great summary here. That his one today was called Beyond Parody, the clown show that was CPAC. And he talks about there was, uh, this is the Conservative Political Action Conference. He said there was a lot of talk about Brandon and war with Canada and impeaching Biden for something. And Papa John Schnatner characterized Russia's attack on Ukraine as a false flag orchestrated by Biden to distract people from the real issues facing Americans. There were jokes about Hillary Clinton murdering people, all kinds of COVID disinformation, including promotions for hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Entire blocks of speeches were devoted to topics like fiery Fauci and lock her up for real. The headline speech was Donald Trump Saturday night. He pushed his big lie. He downplayed climate change, saying that its main consequence would be to, quote, give you slightly more seafront property. Right. Well, let us not forget that it was Donald Trump who withheld U.S. military aid to Ukraine for over for a year because Vladimir Zelensky, President Zelensky, refused to manufacture lies about Joe Biden and his son Hunter. Trump, by the way, pretty much said he's going to run again. This, this is a grift, friends. Donald Trump is not going to run for president again. I mean, he may actually put his name into the, into the Republican primary. He may, quote, run. But just like in 2016, in 2016, he had no intention of becoming president. He was, he was running for president as a way to squeeze General Electric because Gwen Stefani was making more money on her show with, with NBC than he was with Apprentice. He was trying to up his, up his uh, uh, presence in the media, his power over NBC. He was trying to make more money. When he won, he was as shocked as everybody else. He had no, he had no victory speech written. So, yeah, he might run again, in, and I put that in scare quotes, but, you know, he's raised a couple hundred million dollars now, and he's not sharing it with Republican candidates. And I guarantee you that money's going to go into his pocket. If he, if he runs, it's going to be entirely a media event, and it's not going to go anywhere. Because, hey, this is his new grift. It's, I think he's making more money pretending he's going to run for president and being president over the last four years. I think he's made more money doing that than he's ever made on anything in his life. Meanwhile, Marjorie Taylor, oh, and, and by the way, he, uh, Trump said that if he runs and wins, he's going to push for legislation that would allow him to purge the federal workforce ideologically. That he could simply go in and fire any federal employee who, say, voted for a Democrat. This is how autocrats like Putin purge organizations like, you know, the, the bureaucratic institutions of the Kremlin of political enemies. It would be insanely dangerous. 
Meanwhile, Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Paul Gosar gave speeches to a white nationalist conference just down the street, the uh, AFPAC. That's amazing. Also in Texas, last story and then I'll pick up your calls. Also in Texas, transgender, this is the headline in the Te Texas Tribune, the local newspaper. Tech, uh, transgender Texas kids are terrified after governor orders that parents be investigated for child abuse. Uh, the Greg Abbott regime announced seven days before the Republican primary election started. Uh, Greg Abbott is trying to prove to Texans that he hates gay people more than anybody. That he has ordered the state welfare officials to launch child abuse investigations into parents of trans kids. Investigations that could include those kids being put into foster care and their parents being put in jail. This followed a, uh, a legal opinion from Attorney General Ken Paxton, who is also in the fight for his political life in this primary, which, by the way, is happening tomorrow in Texas, that said that gender-affirming care, medical care, constitutes child abuse. Advocates say that calling therapy child abuse could lead to it being weaponized in divorce cases, could create legal issues for physicians and psychotherapists who treat gender, transgender youth, and empower people to attack young people themselves, young trans people, as well as family members and others who support them. Uh, Carson Anderson, Associate Professor of Criminal Justice at the University of Austin says, it's not a far stretch to think that you could be harassed, assaulted, or killed which apparently is, you know, just fine with Greg Abbott and Ken Paxton. In his statement this week, this, this last week, uh, Greg Abbott, Texas governor, called on other Texans to act as watchdogs and report any parents for abuse if they believe the parent is supporting their child's gender transition. Last year, the, uh, regular, during this regular session, the te Texas legislature filed more anti-LGBTQ bills than any other state legislature in the history of America. On Thursday, by the way, there is pushback now happening in Texas, just like there's pushback happening in Russia. On Thursday, district attorneys from five Texas counties, including Dallas, Bexar, and Travis, posted a statement on Twitter bashing the directives as anti-trans and life-threatening, saying that they would not treat gender-affirming actions as abuse. The statement said, quote, we want to assure our residents with transgender children that they are safe to continue seeking the care their children need. Three counties out of the entire state. It's amazing. What has this brought us to? So, picking up your phone calls, TH in Wellington, Kansas. Hey, TH, what's on your mind today? Yeah, being in Kansas, I think I need to ask Representative Estes and Senator Marshall where they stand. You know, if they stand with freedom or do they stand with Putin, Trump, and authoritarianism? Well, the Republicans are making a sudden turn. They're now starting to bash Putin now that the whole world has turned against Putin. So they're going to be anti-Putin, but they're still going to be anti-voting rights in the United States, which is what how Putin holds power. They're still going to be anti uh, education, uh, you know, in history in the United States, which is how Putin polls power. They're still going to be anti-media in the United States, calling, you know, CNN left-wing propaganda and stuff like that, which is how Putin holds power. True. You know, I mean, you know, they, they're yeah. going to slightly change their tune, but the song that they're singing is not going to change, TH. You can count on that. And, uh, and uh, I would, I would bet almost anything that that, uh, that would be their response. But, but reach out to them, TH, and let us know what they say, okay? 
I will do that. Thank okay. you. I Great. appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Good talking with you. So stick around. It's the Tom Hartman program. The place where despair is not an option. In an echo of Donald Trump's efforts to arrest Antifa and BLM, uh, 6, 000, over 6,000 people have now been arrested in Russia. Bob in uh, Farnham, Virginia. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Pardon me if I don't make sense. I'm still a little wobbly after that news that you just gave us about Greg Abbott. Yeah. But Isn't that bizarre? Um, oh, my goodness. Pick on, the, pick on the, the weakest and most vulnerable people in society and use that as your, as your lever to get yourself into office. I mean, it's, it's beyond bizarre. It is, it, is, uh, it, it is morally criminal. It is disgusting. It's filthy. It's awful. Okay. Yeah, and the parallels between the GOP's pet peeves and Putin's that you pointed out, that was informing, uh, very informative and very sobering, you know, yeah. thought-provoking. Anyway, the reason I called today was because I, I work from a little home workshop, and that enables me to watch your program every day if I can. I get to tune in to C-SPAN, see the House and the Senate, and you know, inform myself throughout the day. And when it all gets to be a little too much, because you say this is the place where um, despair is not an option. When I need to change something a little brighter, I'll tune in the ID channel, which is a bunch of stories, detective stories, police and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And Louise and so I watch dramas times, at night. Uh, you know, after, at seven o'clock when we go to bed, we we uh, check out from the news and, and uh, you know, we just watch some, st I mean, we're watching Father Brown right now. <laughs> you know, it's a BBC well, show. <laughs> so many times the theme on those crime shows is some dysfunctional male. Right. Toxic masculinity coming out his ears. Oh, yeah. And he's not getting what he wants. So your comments are about Putin. Well, what if he takes himself out by pushing the button? Yeah. That's the theme, and that's the typical ending of so many of these stories. And they're just dysfunctional men, just like Putin is. And they're not getting what they want. And if, damn it, if they can't have it, nobody can have we it. We had one they of these know, in Oregon. crazy talk. Over on the seacoast of Oregon uh, on Saturday, I believe it was. Might have been Friday, and I read it in Saturday's paper. But it was a husband and wife who had a history of marital troubles. They were not elderly, but they were you know, uh, beyond middle age. I don't recall their age specifically. I, my, my recollection is in their early 60s. And he murdered his wife and then he committed suicide. And, yep. the, you know, had he controlled a country rather than a living room, you know, murder-suicide is start a nuclear war. Yep. It, it's not, you know, if somebody were to hear you say that and they, they didn't really think about the situation and they weren't informed, They'd say, well, that's just crazy talk there, Mr. Hartman. But when you think about it, it's really not. He does everything on a big scale. <laughs> yeah. So why not? Yeah, it, it, anyway. it, it, it troubles me considerably, Bob. And, and it's and it's my my largest fear right now. I you know, I get the whole world rallying around and hating on Putin and, and the incredible pressure that he's under. And and, uh, you know, I'm no friend of the man. But that yeah. said, we have to make sure that he has an escape route. You corner a yeah. rat, and when that rat, I did it once. I cornered, actually, I cornered a mouse when we lived in, in Montpelier, Vermont. And that little mouse roared, I mean, back up on her <laughs> hind legs. And she was, I went after her with a laundry basket, you know, to try and trap her and get her out of the house. 
but she was going to take me out. You've got to, you've got to give them a, a, an escape, you know, route. So anyhow, Bob, thank you, thank you for a thoughtful comment and, and, and call. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back. So the Chiron on CNN was uh, U.S. officials, or words to the effect of, I don't, I don't remember verbatim, but... U.S. officials are, are combing through data to determine the mental health of Vladimir Putin. Is, has he gone nuts? Or is this just, you know, expected behavior from somebody who for 20 years has been basically, you know, Lord God of an entire country? Uh, let's ask somebody who really, uh, really understands this stuff. I mean, none of this armchair uh, psychoanalyst here from from me and you, but uh, let's ask a, a real professional, Dr. Justin Frank. He's a psychoanalyst and clinical professor at the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Science at George Washington University. He's the author of Trump on the Couch and his previous books in the series, Obama on the Couch, Bush on the Couch. Uh, his Twitter handle is Justin Frank MD. And uh, Dr. Frank, welcome back. I, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this. I, I, uh, you know, Putin walks like, you know, like a weightlifter kind of thing. Like, you know, I'm a tough guy. Um, he is kind of short. He, is, he, he was in East Germany for a long time. Uh, I'm wondering how much of this is compensation or am I just in weird psychobabble land here? Well, I don't think you're in weird psychobabble land because uh, I have always learned a lot talking with you and enjoyed uh, our interchanges. So that I would not see. And I do think you can think about compensatory behavior on his, on his part. But I've had no contact with him, zero. Uh, I had no direct contact with Trump, but I read mountains of books, saw lots of tapes, listened to speeches, and uh, spent a lot of time learning about him. So the reason I was able to write my three books was because in the West, we live in a free society that is largely transparent. Because the inner workings of Soviet politics uh, and Russian politician politics and in the oligarchy system, there's very little transparency there. And uh, when you add that to the language barrier, it's not really possible for anyone other than intelligence officers in the U.S. to form a psychological profile of somebody like Putin. In fact, in my the introduction of my book on Trump, I said, I'm sure this is not the first analytic study of Donald Trump. But unfortunately, I don't speak Russian. I wrote that in my introduction. So with that disclaimer, uh, there's a lot of interesting articles about Putin, uh, but m most of the information that's really hardcore information is held by our, our intelligence mm -hmm. uh, people. Uh, people have written things about it, Vanity Fairs, 
Emily Jane Fox wrote something uh, the other day. Uh, and there's lots of places we can look. So with that, I'm still an expert on the psychology of leadership, and I have a lot of knowledge about, uh, obviously, leaders, and, and I've done a lot of observing about Putin in the last uh, few weeks and months. Uh, so what I do know is real about him. And the first thing I wanted to say that's, that's, uh, that's he shares with Trump, in a way, is that they're both germaphobes. They're both afraid of germs. Hmm. And I think the reason why, Trump, why Putin sits so far away is not so much uh, simply paranoia or being an autocrat who likes to bark orders. I think it's because he's afraid of getting COVID. Makes sense. And I really think that's real. And yeah. so I don't know that, but I think... You know, Trump is a germaphobe in a different way. The reason he likes McDonald's and all these fast food places partly is because the food comes already wrapped up and wrapped by machines and never touched by people. So he's the one who unwraps it. And that's a way of having fewer germs in his mind. So those are similar things. And both of them can lead to paranoia and paranoid aspects because germophobia is part of a paranoid anxiety. So it's possible that uh, Putin is is paranoid, uh, first of all. Uh, and that's what I think people are concerned about because the problem with paranoid leaders is that they are irrational. They do strike out if they feel cornered. And uh, they are uh, unpredictable and therefore dangerous. I, I have been suggesting on this program for several days that one of the things I think that our uh, leaders and negotiators and Zelensky's negotiators in, uh, in uh, Belarus need to be sure to do is give Putin an out where he can at least save face. I mean, I, I, my sense of it is that this is the end of his leadership of Russia, that he's not going to survive this, although that may take a year or two to happen. But over the short term, um, you know, I remember cornering, I was telling a story yesterday, I remember cornering a mouse in my house in Montpelier, Vermont once, um, you know, trying to catch it with a laundry basket. And that mouse, when she got backed into literally a corner in a room, um, just reared up on her hind legs and was going to take me on. And I don't think that we want him to feel cornered. Now, I'm not saying we should give him any victories or blessings or, or uh, you know, cave into him. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, just yesterday, I wrote a comment about Mighty Mouse. So that's pretty funny because yeah. of your experience, because I feel that in a way, uh, Putin being short and Mighty Mouse being powerful, he can be a Mighty Mouse. Right. Um, and I agree with you completely about having a way out. There has to be elbow room in any kind of confrontation, especially for a paranoid person and a paranoid leader, to save face, to save pride, to avoid humiliation. Because as you started out our interview today, you said you thought he was some of Putin's behavior was compensatory for feeling short and possibly inferior in some way, so this was compensatory. Well, if it is compensatory, which it could well be, then you certainly want to let him have a place where he can exit without feeling humiliated. Right. 
since uh, compensatory is for feeling humiliated. Now, and there's some other things, though. Um, I, the White House, I heard, just announced that they're going to have the State of the Union on a split screen in case there's some activity in uh, in Ukraine <clears throat> that we need to see. So that's an interesting change. So there's a, clearly an influence. I mean, he's very powerful, Putin, in that sense. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that I've been sort of toying with the thought that <clears throat> for a while that he possibly, Trump was right, although for the wrong reason. He said recently that he does. He thinks if he were president, Putin wouldn't go in, have gone into Ukraine. That's possible, but the reason is different. The reason is because Putin wouldn't need to go into Ukraine because Trump would be able to dismantle the United States from within. Right, and and Europe. That's I mean, you know, Trump was going after NATO and, and, Europe. and the EU, and and I, I, in my opinion, the whole Brexit thing was part of trying to destroy the EU. I, I, another question. Yeah. One, one, an old dear friend of mine who has now passed away. His name was Armin Lehman. Armin and I worked together for years, literally in cities all over the world. Um, and I, I, you know, he had a funny German accent, but I, I had no idea his past until long after we both retired from that business. That was back in the '80s. And uh, he brought me a manuscript one day and, and said, in fact, made an appointment to bring me a manuscript and said, uh, I want to tell you, I want to tell you my story. When he was 16 years old in Berlin in, uh, in 1945. He was uh, impressed into the military and he was the courier who brought Hitler the news that the war was over, that, that, that Hitler had lost. He stayed in that bunker for almost a week. Um, he w- stood outside Hitler's door when Hitler committed suicide. Uh, and, 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 and he told me about this. And he wrote a book about it. It's in print. You can find it on Amazon and things. And, and Armin, Armin's point to me was that Hitler at that point, number one, if he could have killed all Germans in Germany, he would have done it because he blamed them all for the failure. They let him down. He didn't fail in anything. And number two, um, his only out was to take his own life. Are you concerned that at any point Mr. Putin might feel like he has no place to go, he's got no out, suicide is really his main option, but he's not in a bunker like Hitler was with, with a gun with one bullet in it. Um, he's sitting with you know, enough nuclear weapons to end all life on Earth, and he could commit, you know, like the, like the spousal murder-suicide we had in Oregon a couple of days ago. You know, husband kills the wife and then kills himself. Um, could he take the world down? Is that something we should be concerned about? I think it's something we need to think about, yes. I'm not sure about being concerned about it as a real uh, imminent problem, but I do think that's why what you were saying about having him have elbow room and be able to uh, leave with his pride intact is very important. I mean, I think that... Um, <clears throat> that Trump is more, that Putin, sorry, it's interesting, that Putin is more interested in revenge against the United States than he is about invading Ukraine in some way. I think he has wanted to, as you said, break up NATO, break up Europe, 
Uh, and he didn't need to worry about that since Trump was doing his bidding all this time until Trump uh, didn't get reelected. And I think that now he feels that it's very possible that he's entering Ukraine because he doesn't think Trump will get reelected in 2024. He doesn't have a chance. So he might as well go ahead and do the other thing he wants to do. That's possible. But what is interesting to me is that, um, well, this is all obviously very important, but one of the things that I've been thinking about, too, is how everybody here, a lot of people, these pundits, have been saying that Putin sounds crazy talking about Nazis in Ukraine and talking about all these different things. And my experience on the inpatient units that I've worked have been that there's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake that he may be sent on to something when he talks about Nazis in Ukraine, but not so much about Nazis who were persecuting Jews in 1945, which is what most people think he was talking about. But what about the fact that lots of Russians who lived in Ukraine had a hard time speaking Ukrainian? And the Ukrainian government started making Ukrainian the language in their school system. Right. So it may be that the Ukrainian nationalism led to Russians feeling in the East feeling persecuted, and they felt they were equally as Ukrainian as everyone else. That's a possibility. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But if that's a possibility, that may be where he saw the Ukrainians as persecutors. Although we have English-only language people. schools in the in the Southwest, and you've got only Spanish-speaking <laughs> kids showing up, but, but anyhow, yes. we're we're hitting a hard break here, so I, I, I can't I can't push it any farther. Uh, Dr. Frank, thank you so much for dropping by. It's always thank insightful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Uh, and Dr. Frank, you can follow him on Twitter. Justin Frank MD is the the very best place to go and uh, keep track of what he has to say. He's got some fascinating takes on Twitter. You'll enjoy it. Uh, Stuart in Chicago. Hey, Stuart, what's up? You know, it's interesting that Dr. Frank mentioned that long table because that's exactly what I called about. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's you know, like the canary in the mind. He doesn't want someone too close to him to jab him with maybe a needle that's laced with cyanide. Oh, I think he I was afraid. I mean, you know, Hitler's own people tried to blow him up and nearly did, you know, killed a couple of guys with a bomb under the table in that in that meeting. And I'm I'm I was assuming that that was Putin's fear was that his own people yeah. might come after him. The, the, the guy is definitely behaving like a marked man, like yeah. a man who's aware that he's marked. Yeah. So, which uh, which could be real or it could be, as Dr. Frank suggests, that he's just clinically paranoid or it could be both. I mean, sometimes even if you're paranoid, they actually are out to get you. As the old uh, right, exactly. Yeah, goes. yeah. The, 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 fun, the funny statement is that you know, just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean that they're not out to get me. Yeah, right? exactly. exactly. Yeah. So we'll see. Stuart, thanks a lot for the call, right. and my apologies to everybody else. The the day kind of got away with us. You know, call us back tomorrow, and we'll continue the conversation. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It really and truly does need all of us. So get out there, get there's so many great ways right now, so many great ways to get active in American politics and help save this country and the world, you know, get get active in, in fossil fuel politics too. So tag, you're it. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. We'll see you tomorrow.
You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Thank you.